0: Good morning. You guys are so beautiful today. Are you loving the other? Woohoo! All right. So, super excited today. I'm sharing on overcoming fear. Um, it's not a fun topic, not a lie, but it's good and it brings freedom in life. Um, first of all, before I get started, I just want to say because I don't get a chance to do this as much, I love you. It's such an honor to pastor you guys, to love on you guys, to do life. And you know, like, sometimes we say, you just want to hear I'm proud of you. From your parents. And you kind of know your parents are proud of you, but if you don't hear it, you kind of wonder, like, are they proud of me? Or you think, is God proud of me? So I just want you to hear it from me. I know does it a lot. I'm proud of you. This is not easy to go through this soul care, to dig up stuff, to talk about hurts and pain. It's not fun. It's warm and fuzzy. It's not something we sit around coffee and talk about or want to, but it's good. And God brings life and freedom. So to all of you who are digging in, who are asking God to do these things in your life, kudos, great job, and we're so proud of you. Love you guys. So fear not, do not be afraid is one of the most used commands in the entire Bible fear not do not be afraid have you ever noticed in the bible that god is repetitive when he wants to say something it's like he says it and he's like okay let me say it again over and over throughout scripture god says fear not for he starts with do not be afraid deuteronomy 31:8 says do not be afraid do not be discouraged isaiah 43:1 do uh, sorry don't fear i have redeemed you isaiah 35:4 be strong, do not fear, your God will come. John 14:27. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Isaiah 41:13. Do not fear, I will help you. Philippians 4:6. Do not be anxious about anything. Those are just a small handful. Can you just feel the peace of God even in those scriptures saying I will help you? I will come, do not be afraid. So let me ask you this. Do you have fear? Yeah. Can you recognize that? Do you have fear in my life? What do I fear? And I'm not talking about fear of heights, fear of spiders. There's all sorts of phobias and fears that are very valid. But what real spiritual type of life fears do we have? There's a million of them. Fear of failure. Fear of not being enough. Fear of not being loved. Fear of being rejected. rejected, Fear of being exposed. Well, if people find out what I really am like, they're not going to love me anymore. Fear of not being loved. I mean, we could go on and on and on, right? So many fears. It's pretty easy to pick other people's fears, but what are your fears? What, what are you afraid of? Unfortunately, fear affects every single one of us. We see it in little bitty children. We see it our whole life. You can find the most mature, spiritual, wonderful person, and guess what? They have fears. So you can either act on fear, or you can act on faith. My kids hate this when I say this. Huh, Cadence? You have a choice. You have a choice if you're going to fear, or if you're going to act in faith. You have a choice. However, you can act in faith, feeling fear, but still act in faith. Does that make sense? So we're not going to act on fear. You can feel fear and act on it. You can feel fear and act on faith. Does that make sense? But not acting on the fear because you are going to feel fear. I would be lying if I stood up here and said, ah, you know, God's going to deliver you and you're never going to feel fear. That is not true. But when we feel fear or we feel rising up, we can learn to recognize it, which is what we're going to talk about today, and then acting out in faith. So you must choose one or the other. You cannot do both. Max Lucado says the presence of fear does not mean you have no faith. Fear visits everyone, but make your fear a visitor and not a resident. So it's going to visit you, but you get to decide do I let it stay? Or am I going to say, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya, off you go. You don't get to stay here, right? So let's talk about some fear indicators. How do we know when we're experiencing or dealing with fear? Um, Rob Reimer, which a lot of the content that we're preaching and teaching out of, is from a book called Soul Care. He does conferences, he he goes and works with pastors and missionaries and, and everyday people and teaches them a lot of these things about soul care. So he tells this story. When he, him and his wife first planted a church, he, had all, he was meeting with all these pastors, picking their brains, asking questions, having people pray for him. And every single one of them would ask, aren't you afraid? And he'd be like, afraid of what? Well, you know the statistics. Most church plants don't make it. Aren't you afraid that you might not make it? And Rob said, I honestly, that never crossed my mind. So he would get home and he asked his wife, did this ever cross your mind? And she's like, rolling eyes, like, of course it never crossed your mind. For him, she was like, Yeah, that crossed my mind. But for him, he he couldn't say, I'm afraid the church won't make it. Okay? But here's the thing: he said, as he dove into that deeper, he realized he did have fear. It was just masked, and he couldn't really see it. So when we feel fear. You guys have heard of the flight or fight syndrome, right? So when we feel fear, we do one of two things. We fight, we flee, or we fight, we engage. And for Rob, in his story, that was his way of dealing with the fear, is he went into this fight mode. So he got an adrenaline rush. He will say, I got this rush, and then I just wanted to solve everything, and I wanted to take over, and it was like this this hypersensitive urge to like take care of it. So that fight is that adrenaline rush that need to be aggressive. Being defense um, d- being defensive. So if somebody comes to you in fear, oh no, you just immediately are defensive. You act out in anger. You can be known for attacking others, having controlling behaviors. Rob Reimer says if anyone has ever in your life said that you're controlling you are. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that felt good, thanks. <laughs> but some of that fight, it comes up um, in controlling behaviors, amping up conversation, so it's kind of that antagonistic engaging, because you're masking the fear that you feel. And I know this is true for a lot of men, they don't recognize their fears, because they do this. You kind of go into that mode, you're the fixer, you're the guy, you're the head of the house, you're not weak, you can't show that, and so you're going to go into this other thing. But it. Still fear, right? So for others, you like to flee as fast as possible. It comes and you're like, I'm out of here. This is too hard, too painful. So you might find the need to escape. You can do that physically. You can do that in things: drugs, alcohol, sex, porn, movies. I mean, it could be even healthy things, but if you do it to an extreme and it becomes an escape, if you're watching movies every day, all day, and not doing your job or parenting or doing the things that you're supposed to do. That's not a healthy escape, right? So when you have fear and you want to flee, you may withdraw, you may shut down, you may turn inward. Sometimes this comes out in passive-aggressive behavior because there's fear there. And so you may say or act in a passive-aggressive way because you don't know how to deal with it. And so you're like, I got to lash out somehow, but I, I have to be nice and I can't let the other person know that I have fear. you could physically withdraw. There's lots of stories in the Bible where the people would physically withdraw to a cave and hide out. I've done that a time or two. Like, I'm just going to lock my little door. You ever come home and you, like, go in your garage and, like, shut it so the neighbors, you don't have to talk to the neighbors for a minute? That's not really fear, but it, that's fiercely kind of what we do sometimes, right? Like, nope, no access. No access. So it's helpful to understand and discern you do have fear, how does that look for you? Do you flee or do you fight? Do you know when you're afraid? Do you know what that looks like? I think it's really important that self-awareness to go, I'm afraid right now. I know that in, in just processing this, I've thought a lot about my interactions with my husband or my family and close friends or even at my job, you know, and you're like, oh. that fear of like insecurity or that fear of not being good enough or that fear of not being able to do the job or you're kind of like, what's your response? Do you just want to throw up and leave the situation because it's too much and you're fearful? Do you engage and be like, not me, no, I did a great job. No, I didn't say that. Do you get defensive? It's interesting if you start looking at these things, going, okay, I wasn't actually angry. That was just kind of that thing up front. It was actually that I had a fear that my husband didn't love me, or my husband didn't see me. So, what is what are those things that we do? There is a huge impact on fear or of fear. It's an enormous emotion. Some of us don't like that, and we're like, nope, not emotional. Some of us are like, I'm so emotional. <laughs> and everything we say, that's me. I always have tissues. Right, it, So it kind of depends, but it's a huge emotion whether we recognize it or not, whether you like to deal with it or not. It's a big emotion that we all deal with on a daily basis. So if we all had our suitcases of our souls kind of up here to be exposed or look through, like Mark talked about that one time, those hidden pockets, that stuff that we cram in, the stuff that's so old and dusty and has holes in it, there's fears under all of that stuff. And there's probably a good reason we've never dealt with it. Some of that back to when you were little. Some of it goes back to when you were a kid or in high school, young adult. Some of it's from yesterday. There's fears underlying all those things in the case of our souls. So do you remember the story of the Israelites? They were promised something. What were they promised? The promised right? They were promised the promised land. So before they got to the promised land, they sent out some spies. You probably know the story. Ten spies, so they went and looked at the land and who was there, what was there, what kind of life and food and fruit and stuff was there, and what what were the people like, what was the battle going to look like. And so ten of the spies come back, and they gave a pretty fearful, scary report. There's giants, and there's all this stuff. It's crazy. It's never going to happen. You know, why would God promise this? This is insane. Ten. Two came back and they said, Yeah, there's some giants, there's definitely some obstacles. But God said we can do it. Right? So they those two said that they should take the land and obey God. That if God said it, that it would happen. Okay. Well, the fear caused the people, they were so fearful. Think about that. Ten people were like, oh my gosh, day and night. What are we thinking? Our leaders are idiots. We can't do this. There's a, you should have seen this giant man, his feet and his arms and their gear, and just the stories on and on and on. That began to get everyone in fear. Do you know how that kind of cultivates and kind of is contagious when you when it gets like that? So they began to lose their faith. They began to get so fearful. The Bible says they were trembling, and they ended up disobeying God. This caused an entire generation of people to lose their inheritance. Fear. Fear. Story of King Saul in 1 Samuel 13. So Saul was chosen by God to start a kingdom. Aren't you glad that's not you? Hey, buddy. You're the guy. He get to start a kingdom. So he was chosen. And Philistines, the enemy, was starting to gather all their things, get prepared for war get prepared for the battle. And there was a guy named Samuel. He was a prophet, so he was a spiritual guy. And he told Saul, here's the deal. I'm going to leave for seven days. So I just need you to wait. And in seven days, I'm going to come back. And when I come back, I'm going to sacrifice, make the offering to the Lord. And that will seal this spiritually so that God will be on our side and we will have the favor of God in battle. And so just hang out seven days. I'll be back. Okay? Okay. Doesn't sound too hard. Oh no, you know how fear is. It starts with a little bitty thing. Well, what if he doesn't muck? Oh, he's going to come back. Day one, day two. The people start grumbling. The people start getting fearful. Oh my gosh, the Philistines, they have all this iron. They've been trained in war, trained in battle. They have thousands of this, they have hundreds of that, and they have chariots, and we only have this many. And then they're beginning to talk, and the fear is growing. Day four, day five. What if Samuel was wrong? What if he's not come back? What if even if he makes the offering, it's not enough? You know, you see? Do you do this in your mind? It starts with this little bitty thing. Well, she didn't say that. Well, maybe she said, well, when she said that, that made me feel this way. And I remember last week she was kind of funny on Tuesday. So I'm wondering now, do you do that or is that just me? Like these self-conversations that you have in your head with yourself. And by the time it's over, you have come up with this whole story about what happened and how. I do that. I'm strange. I do that. So, so this going on. And guys, here's the thing. The Israelites were facing incredible odds. The fears were not false. They were not false. So sometimes in your life, your fears are pretty valid. You may lose your home you might be facing a divorce. Your kids might be acting in ways that you're like, oh, Jesus. Your fears are real. The Israelites' fears were very real. But God, there's this one factor that sometimes we forget about. But God, what does he say? What does God think about that? So, Saul doing what a lot of leaders do, took it into his own hands. He decided he wasn't going to wait. All right, all right, all right. The, the the people are literally trembling, you guys, and hiding in caves in the thickets. Hiding, physically. He's losing control. Everyone's so fearful. So he's like, all right, I'm going to be a leader. I'm going to take this. I'm going to do this the sacrifice. I'm going to do the offering, and we'll just be done with this. So he made the illegal sacrifice that he was not supposed to do. He did not wait on God. He did not listen. He was not obedient. The fear ruined not only his life, but all of those people. There was a prophetic destiny that God had. Do you see that? The prophetic destiny that God had said, this is the way I want it to go. This is what I'm promising you. Was it too big? Heck yeah, it was. Was it impossible? Yep. Sound familiar? You have anything in your life that, heck yeah, it's too big. Yeah, it's pretty impossible. But it's the waiting and trusting and not allowing fear. Do not lose heart. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Just in those five scriptures right at at the beginning, like, okay, do not fear. I will help you. I will be there. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I am who I say I am. I will do it. So King Saul had a prophetic destiny, but guess what? So do you. So do you. So we have the same choice. Are we going to let fear rob us of what God has said? Isaiah 7.4 says, be careful. Keep calm and don't be afraid. I find that funny because there's so many keep calm and run on or keep calm and eat your cupcake or I don't know. There's like a keep calm thing for everything these days, right? Keep calm, don't be afraid, do not lose heart. Fear causes us to lose heart. So when God speaks to you, do you get excited? Like God gives you something and you're like, oh, he said I'm going to write a book. Oh, he said I'm going to have kids. He said I'm going to get married. He said I'm going to get a promotion. Or God said I'm going to have joy. God prom- And you get excited, right? And you're like, oh, you're telling people. You're journaling it. You're posting it on Facebook. And then the days kind of go by. And then what happens? Your little buddy Fear comes along. And you and him start doing coffee. And before you know it, you're like, ah, uh, he probably told Sherry to write a book. Ah, uh, not me. I'm never going to get that promotion. See, they picked that other guy. And on and on it goes. And that enemy robbing us of our prophetic destiny. It makes me angry. Does that make you angry? So have you ever acted out in fear and missed, missed a promise or destiny? I definitely have. Psalm 139. Oh, this, these verses. We're just going to do 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me to the way of everlasting that's, that's kind of a dangerous prayer I know some of us are like nah I'll pray that tomorrow <laughs> cause guess what you ask God to search your heart he's gonna do it and not to like be like yeah you got all this junk in there girl you gotta figure that stuff out to bring it to the light. This whole series. Jesus bringing it to the light. Why? So we can be free. So we can be free. So a lot of times our fear is directly connected to a wound. So those wounds that we have packed away in our suitcase, those things that have hurt us, we tuck them away. Years later, something happens and it's like ooh, it triggers something you're like I remember this this is painful this doesn't feel good because when I was this old or when I was in that season this happened to me and it's affecting me this many years later but if we don't deal with that and and take that before Jesus and get healing what happens is that fear comes rushing back like it's that same day and then we have to choose what we're going to do with that Here's the cool thing. If we recognize it, we can bring it to Jesus. I hate this. This is so hard. This is so painful. But God, will you heal this fear? Will you heal this wound? Then you have a choice if you're going to act on that fear or if you're going to go, nope, like Mark was talking about those sin patterns. No, it stops. Done. Drawing a line. We're done with that. You can do the same thing with fear. Like, okay, not doing that anymore. That wound, that's not going to control me anymore. Because every time this happens, I act this way. Every time my man says this thing, it reminds me of a situation, and I do this. Like like clockwork. Do you guys have those things in your life? Are you like, you do this. I, it's like this little dance. You do this. I get mad, and I do this, and I yell at you, and you do this. A lot of that is based out of fear. Because we have these wounds that we've never tended to. that's why we're unpacking our suitcases these things to Jesus right so that when the fear comes because it's still going to come but that wound is healed so it's like okay you see it from a healthy way you don't have that fear and all that stuff attached to so the fear comes you can go yep that's fear not going to do that and you handle it differently you walk that out in freedom amen so there's some things called shield and these are kind of what we were talking about earlier Things that we do to shield from the fear, from feeling the fear. Remember when Dave preached a couple of ago, he was talking about that numbness, how our our pain is connected to our joy. And so if we don't deal with those things, we end up in the middle, which is just this numb place where we don't really feel anything. So some of these shields are kind of like that. So we don't feel. So shields can be like anxiety, power, anger, actually having fear, but I'm shielding it with anger. Does that make sense? Manipulation. Anybody done that one before? Silence. Do you try to control the the situation with silence? Kind of that silent treatment. Control. Withdraw. Let's talk about it. Nope. Hey, you want to pray? Nope. Jesus visits you, talks to you. Nope. Someone texts you a scripture. Nope. It's a shield. There's too much pain there. Here's the bad news about shields. When I put up a shield, you're not going to hurt me. I've got this fear. I've got this pain. You're not going to hurt me. Here's my shield. it, It can't discriminate. Like, my shield is only for you and you and on Tuesdays. The shield is going to shield it all. It's going to shield the people you love. It's going to shield the people at work or that you come into contact with. It's going to shield... It's going to shield God. You're going to put this up, and he's going to try to speak. And you've put up this thing, so... You're trying to not let people in, and you're also shielding God from doing what he wants to do. And it's all based on that fear, you guys. So powerful if we allow it to be. So we got to take those shields down. And here's the sucky part I'm going to be honest. You have to feel the pain. It's that biblical grieving. You have to feel it. How many people want to do that? Sign me up. Let's have a session tonight and I'll show up and feel. No, nobody likes that. It's hard. Here's the great news. Jesus sits with us in our pain. He doesn't say, oh, sweetie, I'm so sorry you're hurting. Come see me when you're better. Hey, buddy, good job on dealing with that. I'll talk to you later when you got it figured out. No when we're grieving the loss of a family member, when we're grieving the loss of a season, when we're grieving the loss of a job, when we're grieving the loss of a dream, or whatever it is, guess what? Sit in the pain and know that Jesus is sitting in the pain with you. Feel the pain. Deal with the pain. Run to Jesus with the pain. And let him heal that brokenness. Does that make sense? Why don't we do this? Why aren't we taught this? Like run, pain, ah run. Right? Rightfully so. Isn't that fun. So identifying the roots. What's when you feel fear, we should ask ourselves, what is that? Where is that coming from? Why is that why am I feeling fear? Where is that coming from? So learning to recognize it. First Samuel nine twenty one. Samuel is talking to Saul. This is uh, the same Samuel and Saul we were talking about earlier. And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the, the tribes of Benjamin? Why then do you speak like this to me? I'm just this little guy. You ever prayed that prayer? He didn't know his identity. He didn't have faith. He was full of fear. So do you ever say that? I say that. Like, I'm just Kara from this little church in Erie. Like, you want me to what? It doesn't seem like those match up. You Wouldn't you pick the else that, like, has experience or smart or something? Right? Like, and this is what he's saying. But he doesn't, at this point, he doesn't understand who he is, but who his God is. But if it's not big enough, if it's not impossible enough, it's probably not God. That's when you have that fear, like not me. God, like yeah, you, because He knows who He is, and He knows in our surrendered state, when we just like, yes, God, man, there's nothing impossible for God, right? So as we go through this last part, we're just going to talk about six steps to overcoming fear, because you're going to have fears of your life. Sorry. It just is. But we don't have to let it derail us. We don't have to let it consume us. Okay? So what are your fears? Fear of fear? Is it fear of being alone? Is it fear of being exposed? Is it fear of being unloved? Is it fear of not being seen? Is it fear that nobody's gonna hear you or really know you? What what are some of those things? And this is gonna take some time. It's not something maybe God's already speaking to you, and he probably is. For some of you, it might be said, get on your knees or get in your car and take a drive or get out your journal and ask the Holy Spirit. He knows all things. It's a conversation. It's a journey, right? Jesus, what what is the fear that consumes my life? Because it's there. And you might be in denial, and that's fair. But if you ask him, he's going to show So first step begins with worship. Philippians 4, 4-7. through 7, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. I know you're hearing it in your head, aren't you, that song? I knew it. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and occasion, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So that's that prayer piece. That's that connection piece. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Isn't that so good? Rob Reimer says there are only two times to worship when you feel like it and when you don't. That's it. Just you. When you feel like it when you don't. Worship gets our mind off our fearful circumstance and onto God. Worship. Have you guys done this before? This is kind of part of our Christian walk but sometimes we forget it. It's a simple thing you're fearful, things are overwhelming, they're consuming, and you're like, put on a worship song, maybe that helps, or and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, you feel a little lighter, your head's a little more up instead of a little more down, right? Step two, choose a gentle response. I think we could all learn this one. In verse five of that previous scripture, let your gentleness be evident to all. That's not something that's like promoting our culture. Be gentle. You're so gentle. It's almost like a Oh poor you, you're gentle. <sighs> Have you ever heard that in your life? Like you should you're so great, you're gentle. no, but it's it's biblical. it's good. Be gentle. in this verse, Paul's inviting us to slow down, surrender, be gentle. How many times I get like this? I get real kind of tough on the outside when I'm struggling or I'm dealing with stuff, and I come to the Lord and I've got this like agenda and I've got this thing. And the Lord is just like, come here. He's so gentle. And it just melts me like butter. I'm like, how can I be all tough when Jesus is like, come here? I want to listen, right? We can learn a thing or two from Jesus. Step number three remember the Lord's presence and fix your eyes on him. This is an interesting idea. Rob calls it mind drift. And ever since I read about this in his book, I'm like, oh, it happens to me all day, every day. when your mind is unattended, so you're not working, you're not engaged in a conversation with somebody, you're not watching something, your mind's just kind of unattended, your mind will naturally drift to the greatest pressing problem, naturally. So that could be, if you're in a relational issue, all of a sudden your mind is figuring that out and thinking about that, and there's... If it's financial problems, you wake up, the sun is shining, zippity doo da All of a sudden, you're like, "Oh, those bills! How are we going to do that and that other?" Right? And that could be anything. Whatever that greatest pressing problem is, it could be a issue. You're fearing, "What if I get cancer? What if that report from the doctor comes back negative? What if?" It could be anything. But whatever that most pressing issue. It's called fear drift. Is, mind drift is what he calls it. So what do we do when we recognize this? So I have been very tuned into this. Wow. <laughs> I would encourage you to try it. Just, you're going to catch your mind and you're going to be like, no wonder I'm fearful every day because my mind just goes there. But I'm training my mind to focus on Jesus, to take those thoughts. So this is one of my favorite scriptures. Second Corinthians 10, 3-6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, though we try. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For what? For pulling down strongholds, casting down ardents, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity of the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So I'd like to focus on that part that says bringing every thought captive. Who's going to do that? Anthony, I'm going to help you bring your thoughts into captivity. Come on. I'm I'm getting nothing. I got nothing. Marie, let me help. I, I don't know your thoughts. You don't know my thoughts. Only God can do that, right? But when you have those thoughts, and they're not matching up with the Word of God, and you can sense the fear... It's your job. It's my job to go, that is not from God. That is not true. I'm taking that thought captive, and I'm pushing it out. Right? The message Bible, that same scripture, I'm not going to read the whole thing for the um, sake of time, but it says, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse, every loose thought, emotion, and impulse into the structure of a life shaped by Christ. You got any loose thoughts? I got a couple. Step four, overcoming your fear will involve redemptive suffering. Again, this is something we don't love. Let him sit with you in your pain. Let him bring that comfort. That's redemptive. He's redeeming something. Isn't that awesome, you guys? He redeems it. We got this junk in our suitcase, and we bring it to him, and he redeems it. Step five, overcoming your fears will involve surrender. There's another word we don't like. Surrender. It's a beautiful word. So when the battle comes, when the fear comes, will you trust me? Have he, has he ever asked you that? Will you trust me? Do you trust me? Yeah. I got to walk with the Lord. It was probably a decade ago, 10 years ago or something. But I'd would walk, been walking with the Lord for the, for a while. And I heard him ask me that don't you trust me? And I was like, yeah, duh. And again, he says, Kara, do you, do you really trust me? And I was like, whoa. Because I'm like, if he's asking me it twice, I probably should, like, really answer that. I found I was not trusting him at all in something. At all. It's a constant journey. It's a constant walk. It's not like a one and done. I trust you, okay. Every day, do you trust me with that surrender? In difficulty and pain, we often ask God, why? Right? Why did you let this happen? Why me? Why now? Why, well, why, well, why, why, why? What about if we asked a different question? What if we asked how? How are you going to redeem this? It doesn't really matter why, to be honest. It might make us feel better, or it might actually make us feel worse. <laughs> if We found out why how? How, God? How are you going to redeem this? Because he is going to redeem it. Psalm 41, verse 1, 2, and 10. We're going to kind of skip around. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. The end of this, we have this in our house, you probably have it in your house or on a board somewhere, Pinterest or something. Be still and know that I am God. But you notice, if you go back to one and two, we can be still and know that he is God because he is our refuge and strength and our very present help. We have to surrender and go to him in order to be still. Does that make sense? If you just tell someone, be still and know that he's God, that doesn't really happen. You have to have that relationship and intimacy with him. Does that make sense? All right, in closing, guys, fear not. Fear not. Do not fear. Let's say that together. Fear not. Do not fear. I have come up with some new mantras. I am I'm a self-talker. I talk to myself a lot. <laughs> come on, girl, you can do this. Come on, you got this. Come on. I do this all along. I don't know why. It's just, I guess I'm weird, but that's just kind of what I do. I, I, I like have to like do this to myself. Like You can do this. What does God say? Remind yourself of this. Because I want my thoughts to be his thoughts. And I'm noticing my thoughts are not his thoughts. I've walked with him for a long time. And my thoughts are still not all his thoughts. Right? Do you find that? And so you have to remind yourself. So you can overcome fear in your life. It will not go away. But you can overcome. So first, we're going to acknowledge that we have fear. Right? It's okay. Life is hard. Doesn't matter if you're a teenager like Miss Avery over here, or if you've been around for a long time. Your little bitty ones, it's part of, it's part of it. But acknowledging and saying, "Okay, I do have this fear, but I'm not going to let it control my life. I'm not going to let it forfeit the destiny and the purpose that God has for me." Right? So becoming self-aware. Know the shields. Know the things that you're masking. What are we using to hide? And guys, it's not honestly to hide the fear. It's to hide the pain from the fear. Being fearful is a is not a fun place to be. And most of those places are pretty vulnerable. You don't just, hey, how is your fear? What are you afraid? It's not stuff we talk about, even with our spouses Sometimes. We don't talk about it. It's hard. And we don't want to admit it. We don't want to admit that when we were 5 or 7 or 12, something happened and we've never dealt with it, never got healing, and it's still bothering us every day. And the enemy's still using it to just jab us and weigh us down. Open up your suitcase. Allow the light of Jesus to come in and us, I want to see that. Move that thing over. See that thing kind of right there? you grab that? Sure, Jesus. And you grab it. You're like, this? I don't want to talk about this. He says, I do. He says, I do. Because I know that if we talk about that, you're going to have peace like you've never known before. You're going to have joy that you've never known before. Would you give it to me? Would you just simply hand it over. He might even ask you, do you really want that? No, actually, I really don't. I just got used to it. I got comfortable. It's just kind of part of me. So if you would just take a minute and close your eyes. Jesus, what is that thing? What is that thing that you're pointing to? in our lives this morning. Can you see it? Can you hold it in your hand? Can you surrender it? We give it to you, Jesus. We do not want to hold on to pain, to our wounds, to our fears. Holy Spirit, would you just bring your touch around? Would you bring your healing? God, you never wanted to fix us. You want intimacy. You want relationship. And out of that, you heal us from the inside out for being together. God, thank you. Can you just tell him thank you? Thank you for healing me. Thank you for caring enough to point the things in the suitcase of our life to bring before you. You are so very faithful. You are so very good, so kind. Psalm twenty three, three says he restores my soul can we say that a couple times he restores my soul he restores my soul you restore my soul john 14:27 says peace i give you My peace I give you, not as the world gives. Let your heart not be troubled, and let it not be afraid. Just like everything else, it's an action. There's action involved. I love the idea that God. We look at God and God fix our problems, right? And He can. God, fix our problems. And that's kind of our motive. Sometimes we go, would you fix this? Would you fix that? Would you talk to so-and-so? Would you work it out at my job? Would you? And we're wanting him to fix. Guess what? He's happy to do that. It's not what he wants. He wants your heart. He's longing for intimacy. He's not just a fixer, like, okay, I'm just this guy who fixes all your stuff. He's like, come here. Let's do life. He's all about the intimacy. Isn't that beautiful? Would you stand, please? I'm just going to pray over you. If you feel comfortable, lift your hands. But most importantly, just lift your heart to Him. And just agree with me as I pray. Jesus, you are awesome. You are good and only good. You are faithful and true to your word. You are who you say you are. You do what you say you're going to do. And we may not always understand the way. We may not always understand the journey. But we can trust you. And we choose this day, April seventh, two 2019, to cast our cares upon you because you care for us. We choose to not allow fear to control our lives. God, I'm asking that you would bring us revelation. Show us where the fear is tucked away in our hearts so that we can bring it to you, so you can have your way, so that we can have intimacy and joy and peace. We thank you for your healing. We thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen.